Hey, leaders, in this episode of Leading Collaborative Response, Lorna and I are joined by Carrie Huck, principal of Woodbridge Farms Elementary in Sherwood Park, Alberta, as she shares what collaborative response looks like in her elementary school and lessons learned along the way. Let's get started. Leading organizations with intentionality and purpose is complex work. And dedicated leaders work tirelessly each and every day to build impactful cultures of collaboration. But effective collaboration is difficult and messy. The good news is you don't have to do it alone. Join the Jigsaw Learning Team for Leading Collaborative Response, sharing insights for leaders committed to establishing, refining, and deepening collaborative response in their organization. Welcome, Carrie. It's great Hi, to have Carrie. you here uh, this morning. We uh, are you're in Sherwood Park, Alberta. We're in Lacombe, Alberta, and we were just commenting before we started recording that we've actually come out of a polar deep freeze to some extent. Uh, you mentioned almost tropical weather now here uh, in <laughs> January. <minus> January, <laughs> as we're recording this. Yeah, it feels tropical this morning. Comparatively. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carrie, we know that you've been with uh, Elk Island Public Schools now for over 20 years, that you've taught at the elementary level, at high school, you have a master's in ed leadership, and are now the principal at Woodbridge uh, Farms Elementary. Would you uh, just extend upon that, share a little bit more about your background as an educator, and then tell us a little bit more about the school in which you serve as leader at right now? Excellent. Well, this is my second school that I've been a principal at. I was out at Lamont Elementary prior to this, which is a school that um, collaborative response when I, I had the gift of joining Lamont Elementary and collaborative response was already alive and well in this school. Um, when I the school I'm at now, Woodbridge Farms, um, it's a unique um, it's a unique school in our district in that we have five system program classrooms in our school, um, and then we also have um, our inclusion classrooms on the other end. So we have about 315 students, um, and so our system program population takes up a chunk of that, and then we also have classes all the way up. Um, and when I joined, when I came to Woodbridge Farms, they had been using collaborative response as well. So that was that was great. Um, but we've worked with the staff to sort of tweak those processes a little bit and tweak the way that they were doing their collaborative response meetings and then include that embedded collaborative time. So it's been it's been great to sort of come into a school where we needed to do a bit of adjusting and tweaking as we went along, because as we know, the process is messy. It's not it's not very linear. So and that's Absolutely. for sure. <laughs> so at Woodbridge Farms, um, just share with those that are either viewing the video or listening to the podcast, approximately how many students, uh, grade levels, just to give a bit of context there. So we have 315 students total. Um, we have like we have two kindergarten classes. They're about 18 each. And then um, with having the mix of um, system program classrooms and inclusion classrooms, all the way up on our inclusion side, we have splits because we have kind of those odd pockets of numbers. Mm -hmm. So we have two grade ones, a grade two, a two, three, a three, a four, a four, five, and a five, six, and a six. So it's kind of um, <laughs> our div, our div one classroom sizes are a little bit smaller um, just because we know that 
our research tells us that that's you know best for learning for students. But um, so our grade our grade four, five, six classrooms are are large. They're close to thirty. So um, and then our system programs we have um, one classroom that is for students in grades one to three with uh, severe speech and learning delays. Um, those students would be of average cognitive ability. Um, we have two classrooms for children who are on the autism spectrum. One of the classrooms has more of a regulation focus um, for programming. The other classroom is of course flexible learning and regulation first, but has more of an academic focus. Those students are more verbal um, and they do a little bit of integration with our inclusion classrooms. Uh, and then we have two classrooms for children, grades four to six who have, um, who have diagnosed learning disabilities. And so those classrooms are a smaller class size with an educational assistant. So you have a ton going on. <laughs> it's a it's it's a very busy building. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and you say it's a busy building, but I've been in uh, the building several times, and even though there's a lot going on, there certainly is a sense of calm and structure to it. So we want to go to that first. We know that yeah. with collaborative response work providing time for collaboration is pretty tantamount to seeing yep. success. Can you share how you've gone about structuring the time for collaboration within your school building? So our teachers have collaboration time once a week. So we do it, um, we do it through buddy classes. So we have like a Div 1 class and a Div 2 class that are buddies. And so one week, um, our division one teacher will take the buddy group and work with the buddy group. And then our division two teachers will have collaboration time mm -hmm. and then they flip the next week. So our division two teachers will take the buddy group and then our division one teachers have buddy time. So that collaboration time is above and beyond their three preps a week. So it's additional time. And so then, so each division, so our division one teachers get twice a month, they get an hour during the week of and then vice versa. So um, that's new to us this year. We didn't have built in collaboration time last year. So that's new this year. So we are on a bit of a journey with, um, you know, creating structures and processes for mm -hmm. what that collaboration time looks like. Plus, we're working through a process with our staff of um, when you have the two buddy classes, what does that look like? Because yeah. yeah. that has caused a bit of overwhelm for teachers to have, you know, say 50 students in the room um, by yourself. So um, we're definitely on a journey through that. But I know that um, we have a we have a team. So we have uh, four teachers, um, our counselor, our school-based social worker, myself and my assistant principal are all, we're the collaboration, collaborative response school team. Mm -hmm. And um, we meet regularly as well as we're attending the professional learning with Curtis through our school division. And so um, that time is so valuable because we do a lot of chatting as a group and planning. And so, um, and to have the teachers on our team is um, you know, invaluable because they're able to provide, they're the ones living and breathing that buddy time. So they're able to give us feedback. Yeah, that's fantastic. And that lead team makes such a big difference to have teachers 
where you get an opportunity to have conversations with them about how mm -hmm. things are going and what's what's been a little bit of a hurdle and <laughs> how do we Absolutely. get past those pieces. So that lead team is so incredibly important. So it's uh, uh, and it's funny with that too because we just recorded another yeah. podcast and a blog <laughs> around that very concept yeah. of establishing a lead team and it was interesting the last day that I was with that team of being able to see that group around a table. And of course, as I'm wandering by and eavesdropping, being able to hear you uh, asking things like, well, what do you think this, how this is going? And how could we get some more feedback? Like it's definitely evolving and shifting, but through the lens of that lead team, which is oh, awesome. And distributing leadership at that same time, right? You're giving people an opportunity, giving teachers an opportunity to build their leadership skills through that team, which mm -hmm. is an absolutely. absolutely great opportunity for them too. Yeah. And that is my, like, that's my PGP goal this year is the building leadership capacity. Because yeah. one thing I want to ensure is, you know, as we know, of course, I love being at Woodbridge Farms and I hope to be here for a long time, but things could change and I could not be here next year. Mm -hmm. And I want to ensure that collaborative response keeps going even after I'm gone or after Terry's like we want to make sure that it continues on. And so there's lots of value. Our teachers have started, you know, the they're they're, they're taking turns facilitate like being the facilitator for meetings. And it's just really exciting to see that leadership built throughout the school. So yeah, really yeah. creating that sustainability for beyond, you know, you're beyond your work there at Woodridge. So, yeah. Carrie, I am interested. You said that essentially each team has two opportunities to collaborate during the month. How have you cycled between the collaborative planning component for teams and the collaborative team meeting itself? What does that look like? So that time is just collaborative planning. Okay. We do. And so that's one thing is we're sort of trying to figure out is because then when we do our collaborative team meetings, we shuffle the deck and have Div 1 and Div 2 teachers okay. awesome. in the meeting. Um, that was new for the Woodbridge Farm staff last year. And we've had lots of positive feedback. And it's really, it's really great. Like we've had comments um, from teachers where like we had a grade last year, we had a grade like a Div 2 teacher go observe a grade one teacher doing like a phonics lesson because that's what that teacher needed. And it's really opened up all of our classrooms. And we've had teachers say, you know, I've worked at this school for however many years and I've never gone into that person's classroom before. Yeah. So it's really, so, so that's where we're working with those collaborative team meetings are happening. Um, right now we're currently using like sub budget time. Mm-hmm. To release those so we book those periodically through the year and we just run through three meetings in a day okay mm -hmm. so that's kind of how we're doing it so because we're not we haven't quite figured out yet how to sort of embed it in that collaborative time because of the structure of it so but you've definitely reinforced something that we talk about all the time that we wish we would have understood in our own school of collaboratively plan with those that you have common teaching assignment with, uh, yeah. whether that's the course load or age of students, but then collaborative team meet with those that you do not. And it just creates stronger networks of collaboration across the school. So that's mm -hmm. fantastic. Mm -hmm. 
And yeah. it's interesting to hear your experience of teachers saying, I've never really professionally interacted with this person <laughs> before. I've never really had that opportunity, which opens up all sorts of, yeah. of again, networks and ways that people just deepen that those layers of collaboration within the school. That's awesome. Yeah. We see that happening in schools where teachers have actually been in the building together for for multiple years, like 10, 12 years. Yeah. And suddenly they start talking to each other and uh, on that Practice. professional yeah. level, as opposed to just a, you know, hi in the hallway, good morning, like that kind mm -hmm. of thing. But it becomes uh, highly impactful across the school outside of the classrooms, which is super exciting. So Carrie, Absolutely. Can you share a little bit, like you talked already about how messy this is, how messy this work is. And and I'm sure you've heard Curtis say before, ready, fire, aim. And I'm sure you've experienced that. <laughs> Love yeah. to be able to hear some of those key learnings that you have done over the years involved in collaborative response. Well, we're actually working through one right now. So one of the things that we do here that we just... Um, we do every, at this time of year and at the end of the year, we do a survey with our student staff and parents um, just to gather feedback. And it's not like the assurance review or the EIPS survey, it's our own Woodbridge Farm survey and it's um, open-ended questions with like paragraphs. And so we include in that survey, we include like, how are you feeling about collaborative team meetings? How are you feeling about collaboration time? those types of things. And in we're just in the in the thick right now of reviewing that data. And one of the things that um, we noticed from reviewing the data recently is that um, on January 31st PL, we were we were going to do a morning, we were going to run a set of CTM meetings. Mm -hmm. But in looking at the data, I think we need to loop back and review the why of collaborative mm. response so last fall um we did do an overview of collaborative response and we did talk about the processes and structures and we did talk about the why but we haven't talked about it since then mm. and so with some of the feedback that we were receiving with staff I think that's been lost in translation and so I think we need to loop back review the processes and structures how they connect to the continuum of supports and we need to revisit so we've we've shifted and we've changed our plan and um and we're going to do that and then we're going to work a bit on our continue on reviewing and refining our continuum of supports instead of just powering ahead and that was a discussion we had with our school team was do we just keep plowing forward or do we loop back and revisit and i think as we know um with any sort of and whatever you're implementing in your school or whatever change you're trying to make. If people don't know the why and they don't understand, yeah. they're not going to buy in or feel value in it. Yeah. So um, I think that's one thing I've learned is I think um, it doesn't hurt every school year to start with that. Like I think next August, I'll start with the why and reviewing those structures because we had some changes in staff too. And we yeah. have staff that are like, I'm doing these meetings, but I'm not sure why I'm doing them or I have this collaboration yeah. time and I don't remember why. Um, one thing also that with some of the processes and structures, like with our student support team meetings, we have those, um, we meet as an office team every Monday morning. 
Um, and I don't think all staff know that right. we do that. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't think they know. And, and then also one thing we're pondering as a team is what kind of follow-up can we provide to staff? So if they're referring a student to us or they're putting a student on our radar, how are we closing that loop to follow through? And I think we do a good job most of the time, but not all of the time. And, and um, it's not that we don't intend to, it's just that the day gets busy and we forget and we know the plan in our head, but we don't communicate that maybe well enough. Um, And then even with case consult meetings, I think, we have a template, we have a process mm-hmm. that we use, but unless a staff member, like there are a few staff members in this building that have never had to have a case consult in yeah. since we put, like that's a structure we've put in place in the last two years. So if we have a staff member that hasn't had one of those kind of tier four students, yeah, they don't know. And so it's just a good reflection that we need to find a way to communicate that to staff so that they know that we're taking care of all of those tiers, like all of those tiers are being met. Mm-hmm. And then, so yeah, I guess that that's a reflection of what processes can we put in place to ensure that, you know, people feel heard, people feel acknowledged, and they also know what the plan is. Yeah, I love that. You know what, Carrie, we do a team meeting over you. You actually probably have done that as part of an exercise of the leadership sessions that you've been doing with Curtis. But uh, we have a template for a poster now that that allows you to name all of those teams, all of the support levels that you have in place, and then to Mm -hmm. be able to actually post that poster all over the school and, you know, make sure that teachers understand here are all the things that we're doing across the school to Mm -hmm. provide that support, thinking Mm -hmm. about those four layers of teams. So we'll certainly share that with you. Yeah, and we'll post that in the show notes here as yeah. well yeah yeah no, it's just it's I, I find like in general that survey feedback is yeah. so incredibly valuable from parents from students from staff but it's just a good reflection for us on because you're reading it and going well we do that but it's like have we told you that have, have you told yeah that? yeah and do they like, understand yeah yeah, well, yeah. I feel it just reinforces the idea that it's always a back and forth process that we're going to implement a next step but then we're also going to have to pull back at different points and Mm -hmm. revisit the why and we have new staff so how do we go about Mm -hmm. onboarding and we've had several um principals that have shared they love when new staff because it almost forces the need to let's go over and review this one more time which is not only valuable for the new staff but for everyone to just do exactly what you've said reinforce the why and the uh purpose of all these structures and processes and it, in place. it never hurts the whole team to hear it again because that not only gives them an opportunity to hear the next thing that they're ready for but also mm-hmm. to begin those conversations between staff about oh did you understand that the same way that I yeah. I do like the yeah. creating that common understanding the the understanding the why is so incredibly important too and I was just recently in a school to provide school feedback and they really believe strongly in their school about articulating the why so that everyone has that common understanding and almost every single document that they create they they make a statement 
statement at the top of their document about why we're doing this. And it just reinforces that idea that, you know, we engage in collaborative team meetings because of these things, or, you know, our school support team meeting is re meeting regularly. And here's the referral. We're doing this because, right. And it's just a beautiful way uh, relatively easy because you're just putting a little statement at the top of everything that you do, but just really reinforces the why. Yeah, no, I wrote that down. I like that why at the top of every document just to continually reinforce. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because as you're sharing, you know, here's a next little gap that we've identified and a next step and we're constantly adding and um Building. refining building yeah. the collaborative response work within the building we had another school who were facing the same um issue around we have these school support team meetings but i don't know if staff totally understand what we're doing in that time and what's the follow-up from it so they actually started um, creating a role in their meetings where there's someone recording notes but then there's another role where they're crafting the emails out to so if we've talked about Lorna in this particular mm -hmm. conversation, there's somebody there crafting that communication out to Lorna's key people in the building. Uh, of course, a sanitized version. Uh, there might be information that they're not sharing out from that conversation due to um, any sensitive information that may come. But they're doing that right in the course of the meeting through a role, which I thought was really really interesting carrie i i love the uh feedback loop that you have going on right now to mm -hmm. that gathering information from people and whether that's through your lead team or whether that's through a structured survey but being able to look at that information and then as a group um provide your next response or your next steps and determine mm -hmm. You know, where do we go from here? And you're doing that as a whole team. That's a that's a beautiful way to be able to move everyone forward, mm -hmm. but reset respectfully, right? Mm -hmm. Listening to what you're hearing from your staff at school as well. That's cool. Yeah. No, I believe it's important. Yeah. Yeah. So Carrie, uh, you mentioned that you've had the chance to engage and lead this work now in two different schools. Love for you to consider and finish this statement for us, thinking of those two experiences. As a result of collaborative response, we have seen. How would you finish that um, through those experiences? I think as a result of collaborative response, we have seen a shift in how we view working with students. Mm -hmm. And a shift in building community within the school. Yeah, awesome. So when you say that shift in how we um, view or think about students, expand on that for us. Tell what do you us mean more by about that? that? Yeah, I think that we start to see students as our students, as opposed to like Curtis's student or Lorna's student. Mm -hmm. And I think also we start to see that um, it's not as overwhelming. So some of the things that you're noticing in your classroom or some of the struggles that we're having with students we don't feel alone or isolated in dealing with them. And one of the things that we really try to reinforce, like we call the action items that come out of CTM meetings, we call them think big, start small action items. Oh, wow. So it's that one, it's that one small 
shift. Like, it's not like I have to rework, like if we're talking about literacy, I don't have to change the whole way that I'm doing my literacy. I just, I'm going to make that one small shift and I'm going to see and realizing that I may make that one small shift for one student, but it impacts a few others in my classroom. And it's, and one thing we're working on is boiling down to the key issue. Like we're still trying to work on what that looks like. Mm. Um, and so when we're doing our meetings, the facilitator is doing a lot of follow-up questions right now to boil down to the key issue. Um, and it's coming, but I think that also is it is that it's, it's not like, a big overwhelming key issue. It's one small thing. And then you don't feel um feel like the stress hopefully will go away over mm-hmm. over that. Well, and I think it's with that understanding of every one of those small little actions, when you put them all together over months and months or even years and years of doing that, we're making substantial impact on our overall collective practices but like you said it's not that we have to do that all in one fell swoop it's tiny incremental mm-hmm. additions mm-hmm. which again feels manageable that's awesome one of the things too actually to add to that if I can is also I think that locus of control is such a hard um it's hard not to it's hard to stay out of the locus of control we all slip back in there often And I find through um, the processes and structures of collaborative response, um, it's easier to have those conversations with each other when you say like, you know what, that's really, I know it's hard. I know that's hard, but it's not in our locus of control. What can we focus on that is? Yeah. And then I also find then that conversation isn't um, seen with judgment. Like you're not kind of like get your back up about it. It's a gentle conversation where, it's so tough in education because a lot of things that are out of our locus of control bleed into the school. Oh, they show up, they come up in school and, and they really impact our day here at the school. But I find through these processes, it really helps us shift our focus to what can we do mm-hmm. um, and that we really can't fix that. That's out of our locus of control. So let's just focus on what we can. So that's another shift I think that's helped Yeah, for sure. It's not easy. Yeah, it's not easy at all. Carrie, just wondering, did you do something explicit with your staff to talk about that locus of control? Yeah, last year we did. Um, we did. I we everybody got a pack of stickies, and we. I, the question I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something like, "What are all the things that impact student learning?" Mm-hmm. I think it was something as broad as that, and they wrote down on each one thing on each sticky. And then we had the poster board we had in my locus of control, out of my locus of control. And then we had a bit of a Venn where it was like, you know, I can make basically out of my locus of control, but I can make one small shift to impact it. Right. right. I can and then, yeah. and then we put this, they put their stickies up and um, we had some comments like, a uh, staff member said like, wow, that was impactful. Cause I think it's when you see it yeah. there, you see there's all these things that are out of my locus of control. And then we had an, uh, we had a conversation about burnout and stress as an educator. And that if we pour our energy into those things that are out of our locus of control, that drains all the energy that we have. So we really just, 
it's not easy, but we really just need to stay over here and the things that we can do. Yeah. What a beautiful and powerful conversation with your staff. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, so now you've got me super excited. We know that you are coming to present at our annual collaborative response retreat in May. And man, yeah. I think there's leaders that are going to benefit so much things. of hearing <laughs> some different things that you've done to impact the the practice within your own your own building and from your experience. So Carrie, we always like to um, ask the following question of any guests that we bring on. And that is, in the spirit of if you knew then what you know now, what advice would you give to your past self in relation to this work? We'll be right back to continue this episode. Are you looking to maximize the collaborative capacity of your school or district? Are you wanting to take your professional learning communities or response to intervention work to the next level? Have you started the work in collaborative response but are looking to reignite your plans? We want to have you join us at the 2024 Collaborative Response Retreat happening May 3rd and 4th in beautiful Lacombe, Alberta. Over the two days, we have an intentionally designed program of breakout sessions, panel discussions, and supported team planning time to ensure that you walk away with a plan for introducing or strengthening collaborative response in your organization for the upcoming year. With a concentrated focus on team planning, networking, and individualized support, the Collaborative Response Retreat is an outstanding opportunity to grow your team's understanding and implementation of this powerful support framework. We are also planning some fun social times so you can relax and enjoy some activities as a team in our historic community of Lacombe in central Alberta. In addition, participants will gain access to an extensive repository of online resources to deepen their understanding and support ongoing implementation. Plan to join a growing network of educators dedicated to responding to the diverse needs of their learners. We've capped our attendance at 140 participants, so make sure to register early to secure your team spot. We're looking forward to seeing you in Lacombe in May. And now back to our conversation. I think that I would give, I would encourage myself to just jump in and try Mm -hmm. and be okay with the process being messy. Because I read the book, um, I read your book, back when I was an assistant principal at a different school and I was curious and I was excited but I didn't have the courage to just jump in and try Mm -hmm. like I just I was nervous about I had all these what ifs and all of these doubts and my imposter syndrome took over and I just and I just I didn't I didn't give it a try and I wish I would have because I think I would be a lot further along in my own personal journey if I would have just I I waited until I was gifted a school (laughs) that (laughs) was already in process so I think I I regret that I think that um I wished I would have just been okay with the messy it's hard as a new leader too right and being able to just jump in and try things but that's that's just beautiful Carrie because it is about being able to just get started and even if it's you know those 
it's exactly your statement. Think big, <laughs> you start small. Start small. It's this, yeah. it's a, that's a great phrase in so many different ways and just yeah. being able to jump in and go. Yeah. Jump in and go. I think, I think it would have benefited because it's that I think the one big takeaway and anytime I talk to other colleagues about collaborative response, I think of all of those counselor referrals, all of those office referrals and the overwhelm you feel and how the, having these processes and structures just really um, we're ensuring. And then I think of previous schools I've been at where we spend all of our time and efforts on those level four, like tier four, tier three students. And, and then we're missing those, those students in this level. So I just feel like with these structures, all students are on the radar, all students are, you know, being supported. Um, yeah, I, I, I see the shift and I see the benefit. So that's okay. I've still got lots of career left. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> well, Carrie, as we come to conclusion, is there any final thoughts that you'd like to leave uh, anyone who's viewing or listening this podcast in relation to uh, collaborative response before we tie up and thank you for your time here this morning? Because I just appreciate, um, I appreciate the community that you and like Curtis and Lorna have created. I think that um, I love being able to access the website. I love that if I have a question, I can always reach out and ask and there's always support. The The community that you've created is wonderful and supportive and helpful. And um, we, as a team here, we often go there and look for ideas and we're able to always find something and if not I usually email and <laughs> I get a response <laughs> so I think I just encourage people to to spend time on the website to reach out and to um, even just the PL sessions that you offer um, I love that we can do the recording we can get the recording after because sometimes I register and then something happens at school and I can't make it so um, I just feel that you know to encourage people to access that community because it is so helpful. Well, I have to say it's a fairly robust community because we have the ability to link in and leverage just amazing leaders such as yourself. So it's mm -hmm. uh, it's a pleasure to be part of that community for sure. Mm -hmm. So we want to say thank you so much for joining us, Carrie, for sharing your thoughts, experiences, and we'll add a number of resources into the show notes as well. But most importantly, thank you for the great work that you're doing for your staff, your students, and your community. Um, Woodbridge yeah. Farms uh, Elementary is very lucky to have you and your leadership team doing what you're doing. So thank you so much. Um, well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Carrie, for sharing your heart and sharing your journey. Okay. Wow. When it comes to some so key great. learnings, there are some <laughs> things we can really um, latch onto that Carrie had shared it's amazing when you start yeah. to hear leaders that really truly understand that notion that first came out for me around ready fire aim and oh, the messiness yeah. and you learn through the process and where she shares the different feedback loops and ways they're gathering information and they're going backwards before moving forwards all of those things so critically important for us to understand as leaders oh incredible leadership lessons and 
um, for, for Carrie being able to be so intentional about mm -hmm. having that lead team help, having them help guide the work going forward, which is so integral to the, the overall journey of the yeah. school. So that's so amazing. The other thing that I think was, uh, really evident with Carrie and her sharing her story was really wanting people to understand the why mm -hmm. the background behind you know we're not just doing these meetings to do meetings and we you know keep adding on more meetings right, right. but but that idea that everything we do is intentional and purposeful so how do we articulate that why and how do we bring our staff to that understanding. Well. So it's interesting that you mentioned the intentionality because that mm -hmm. was really a key learning for me is the intentionality, but also leading the process with fidelity. When you hear her talk about, we've got these layers of team and when do we meet for this and how have we tried to incorporate and align things? It's very much in alignment with what we share mm -hmm. uh, in relation to collaborative response of what we've learned through working through with schools like like Carrie's and Woodbridge yes. Farms Elementary. I also was uh, highly interested in the the idea of locus of control yeah. for her and her staff and especially at her school where it's really a unique setting in her school and they have unique challenges that they're facing in their school but for them to be able to go through that exercise of identifying what is within our control and what's outside of our control and what are some of the things that we can influence and knowing that when we've articulated that it kind of gives us permission to be able to let let some things go mm -hmm. because we know <laughs> that teachers put their full heart and their soul into everything and they continue to be highly concerned about all of the dynamics that are surrounding a child but there are things that we can't impact mm -hmm. but being able to identify that as a staff team and really creating the again, permission to be able to let some things be mm -hmm. and focus on the things that we can really impact. So um, from this episode, we are going to put a number of resources into the show notes and YouTube description. We will post up some info about that locus of control activity that Carrie mm -hmm. um, shared. We have some information around that. We talked about a podcast and a blog around the lead team the team meeting poster mm -hmm. that we'll add. We heard Carrie talking about facilitating, having others facilitate the team meetings. We have a free webinar that we'll post yeah. the link to that. That might be helpful if you have team members who are starting to put a foot into the idea of facilitating, may be helpful. She also mentioned the book and we would um, share out with all of our listeners that if you use the code JLPODCAST10, and we'll put that in the show notes, it'll get you... 10% um, off uh, the order of our text, which is just one little gift to <laughs> listeners that are out there. And we'd love for you to be able to share this episode with one friend, one person that you think would benefit from hearing Carrie's insights related to collaborative response and the impact it's having in her building. So until next time, we wish you all the best. And thanks once again to Carrie for sharing her lessons learned, and the journey of collaborative response within her building. So we wish you all the best. Take care. See you soon.